before we discuss anything else tonight, and we'll get to the bullpen, we'll get to uh, Barrios, the bats, the um, couple of errors there at the end of the game, certainly, that impacted the final outcome of this one. But despite the loss tonight, that was a treat of a baseball game, undeniably. Like, you don't often get playoff-level baseball in August between two out-of-division teams, no less. But that was a terrific game to watch, even in the last few innings. And again, before we discuss the rest of the game, in the last, in, starting in the ninth, we got a, ga- a Tapia game-tying single with a team down to their final strike of the game. I believe it was, what, 0-2 on Tapia? Their final strike of the game. Tapia ties the game. Bichette scores, rounding the bases. We got Jimmy Garcia Still being, I think, uh, you guys know I love my circle of trust stuff, firmly, just right, bullseye in the middle of that circle of trust, being a badass, escaping the bottom of the ninth inning with a strikeout, a pop-up with the bases loaded. Michael Fulmer for the uh, for the Tigers now, the Twins certainly, pitching for the second time in three days. He comes in, does the same in the top of the tenth. Like, I know moral victories are not fun. And, you know, you can only find a certain amount of solace and comfort in in a moral victory. But uh, I just got to say, sitting here for most of the evening, watching that game and listening to it, I I think that was a terrific ball game, uh, despite the tough loss in the end. But we break it down regardless. As we welcome you here to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali with you tonight. Uh, Let's talk about it. The bullpen covering five and a third of scoreless work from Barrios' departure to the end of the game, the Barrios conundrum itself. Again, the bats, what we saw from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., both last night and tonight. Whatever you want to talk about, it's all fair game, so give me a call at 416-870-0590-188-666-0590, star 590 on your cell, or you can text me as well if you prefer that at 590-590, name and location. I see a couple here already. Also, before we get to the rest here, and I want to start with Barrios, but... Did you guys see that guy with the Rough Riders hat behind home plate? I swear I've seen that hat at every sporting event to ever exist. I know Minnesota isn't exactly super far from Saskatchewan. Certainly it's closer for them than it is to be in downtown Toronto, but still, maybe the hat that we'll uh, see everywhere for the rest of time. But today, Jose Barrios. I spent a lot of time today on the pregame show chatting with some of my coworkers here in the hub at Baseball Control in uh, downtown Toronto. And... We talked a lot in the newsroom today and again on the air, certainly as to whether or not the worm had turned for Barrios and through, I would say three innings, despite the home run he had given up the first home run he had given up. I kind of, I think it was with Contreras. I think it was what, just a second home run. He's a rookie, I believe. So, you know, maybe you could, you can like in, in the third inning kind of say, okay, maybe it was a mistake. Rookies are going to hit a home run at some point. That's kind of maybe I was just uh, trying to console myself after that happened, but I kind of thought you'd you get a, something closer to vintage Barrios, a couple of runs, but guts through five or six innings of work. And then the fourth inning happened, which started double walk RBI single from Jose Miranda, three run bomb off the bat of Nick Gordon. And he's, it's not like Nick Gordon hits a ton of home runs. I just four runs scored before a single out in the fourth inning. I honestly, I don't know what exactly to make of Barrios. Sometimes, I mean, his his last outing, which was at Rogers Center, and so maybe he needs to play every game at home versus on the road, if possible, but he carved the Tigers in seven innings of work. And here's the thing, right? Look, generally speaking, I have more or less implicit trust in Alec Manoa. 
even when he doesn't have his best stuff, he's pretty good, right? I mean, he can pump himself up to do some damage, even when it's not all there. I think, I don't know, Kevin Gossman is the same kind of guy. He's been able to bounce back even in rough outings. More importantly, he and Manoa have been able to do it on the road, right? Barrios, though, it's a road game. I am not sure I have a huge degree of trust in him these days. Very, very Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, except Barrios only turns somehow into Mr. Hyde when he's on the road. It's just, it's odd because quality start wise, and I know quality starts aren't the be all end all stats for pitchers, but we'll just stick with this for now. Quality start wise, Barrios has as many quality starts as Kevin Gossman, as Robbie Ray, and as Luis Castillo. And the strangest thing it's just he he has games where he's so, so, so good, where he pitches like he is a true ace, even though I think Brios' proper place in the rotation is probably a he is a, a a good to very good sometimes when he's really on number two pitcher. But he he can have days, I suppose like any pitcher, where he pitches up and and is fantastic and he's unstoppable, it looks like. And then there are games like today where he has no feel for the for the zone or it's not breaking as much as it should or usually does. Or at the very least, it starts out like that with the feel and break and then it loses it shortly into the game. I just, Barrios, I'm not going to say it's troubling necessarily, but it is something that I, I, you know, especially if the Blue Jays are don't manage to hold on to the number one overall seed for the, uh, for the wild card seeds, I should say. And they have to play on the road. I mean, certainly I think you would feel good if you were watching Manoa and Gosman in games one and two. Uh, game three, I mean, you're, who, are you, who else are you giving it to? It's going to Barrios. It's not going to Kikuchi or it's not going to, I don't know, Stripling or White or whomever else. Uh, but uh, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a, it's a little eyebrow raising that the road at home splits are, are so starkly different. Um, I'll say this about the Jays, though, before we continue on Barrios, because there was some, some information here about the... Uh, the breaking ball right here from Chris Black, Sportsnet producer extraordinaire. He always does some pretty good segments with Blake Murphy on Jay's Talk Plus. And if you haven't listened to those, I, I strongly suggest you do because I think there's some different kind of insight you get from Chris and Blake than you would from, I don't know, me or someone else. So I, I do think that, you, you know, give it, a, give it a chance if you if you haven't. But on the Jays, on the bats, they never, ever say die. It is never over, over with them, right? I know sometimes the bats are... They're a little quiet, and that was an issue before the All-Star break. More often than not, it felt. But since they got that time off, I don't know about you guys, but the schedule has been a little more relenting these days. I honestly are, uh, yeah, I, I think the, not relentless, but relenting. I honestly think the bats just look a little more patient, maybe a little more well-rested. And I know the game didn't ultimately go their way. It is nice to see Matt Chapman and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. begin to heat up maybe a little more consistently over the past few weeks, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. in particular. And I'm curious what people's thoughts are on this, right? The two run rocket, he blades the single against the shift. And I know the team did not make the most of their opportunity when he and Merrifield were on the bases in the eighth inning, but even so it was good to see him get in there. Pretty talented pitcher uh, as well in Duran, but um, let's go to the text line five ninety five ninety. Please leave your name and location as well, please. And of course you can give me a call at 416-870-0590, star 590 on your cellular device. I see, okay, so I see a couple here from uh, Adam in Vancouver, and this one's from Mike in Etobicoke. So I'll read Adam's first. 
Adam texted in. I think this came actually before the end of the ball game, but still, I think it, I think it's uh, it's relevant. Uh, Adam from Vancouver about Bo. Your educated guess. What do you think he wants for a contract? Pitchers must love facing guys like Bo. The game plan is simple. Don't throw him anything in the zone. He will not take a walk nine times out of ten. And uh, Mike in Etobicoke, hi, show. Why does Bo seem like he's swinging for the fences at every bat? The swing looks out of control when all he needs to do is stroke something into the outfield. Everyone else on the team seems to change their approach based on the situation, but Bo is swinging way too hard in every situation. Thoughts on that? That's from Mike in Etobicoke. So Adam and Mike, appreciate the texts on Bo Bichette. And again, I, I, I think the, the answer to that question is he must be going through it right now a little bit. I know he got on base and he was, and with his feet, he was the uh, game tying run when Tapia managed to uh, get one against Jorge Lopez in the, uh, in the top of the ninth inning. But I, I got to say it's uh, it's definitely, it's definitely not pretty right now. I see another one from Paul in Burlington coming in as I'm reading those other ones. Can you look up league leaders who get behind in the count? Bo has to be top three in major league baseball. If not the leader, his at bats are maddening. I find it interesting. I'm not, I just not a criticism, Paul, by any means, because I agree with you, but I, I find it interesting that here we are in 2022. And I remember when Bo Bichette got called up. Remember when I, I want to say it might have been in that the first month or so and he went deep against, I think it was Clayton Kershaw uh, when when they were, I believe the game, no, nah, the game was in Los Angeles. I think that they were on the West Coast for this game. Either way, uh, and, and I remember a lot of the conversation around Bo Bichette was he is so aggressive, like hyper aggressive. It's great to see you want that out of your you want that out of your 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 best players, the guys who are going to be in the meat of the order. Another one here from Sam in Manitoba. What is Bo doing? Guessing 0-2 at 0-2 in the 10th inning. Uh, you know, it, it's these. you're not, none of you guys are wrong. Bo Bichette is, like I said, hyper-aggressive, and I think that works against him. It, it plays to his detriment a little bit. It's why just a couple of ga- days ago, after the Rays series, that shorty two-gamer two in, uh, in Tampa Bay at the Trop, Bo Bichette was batting... Fourth, and I mean, remember he was batting second, uh, just what uh, three weeks ago or something like that, or four weeks ago, whatever it ends up being at this point. Bo Bichette moved from second to fourth to fifth, and I, I was speaking on the pregame show with Nick Ashbourne, uh, writer for Sportsnet.ca, and Nick and I were talking about Bo Bichette and how maybe, maybe there might be an argument to even bat Bo even lower at this point. Right. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Like, do you think Bo even should be batting fifth at this point? I mean, you look at you look at the way Tapia has been playing, and I think he has been a, he is a crucial, crucial part of this team. You look at the way Matt Chapman has been playing, and certainly the results weren't super pretty for Chapman. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's getting to be more consistent. Let's put it that way. But still, I think you want I think you kind of expect more out of your starting starting third baseman's bat. Having said that. I do genuinely think that there there is a total argument to be made that if if you're already considering batting Bo Bichette fifth, then maybe maybe he should be batting sixth. Maybe Chapman should be batting a little bit ahead of him. Maybe on days where Kirk and Jansen are in the lineup, maybe Lourdes should be batting ahead of him. Right? I think there there are a lot of there are a lot of good points here from you guys on the text line. Um, let's get to uh, the phone lines four one six. 870-0590-188-660-590, star 590 on the cell. Bob calls in from Bowmanville. Hey, Bob, welcome to JSTOCK. Thanks for staying up late. How are you? Good, how are you? Not bad, thanks. Um, just a couple points, I guess. Uh, you were, you kind of alluded to Barrios could be a number two. 
I'd have to disagree. He's too inconsistent, and he's consistently inconsistent. Does he have the stuff? I think he's got the stuff. But, you know, and but sometimes these labels get put on other than an ace, you know, a number two, a number three, a number four. It can be a bit interchangeable at times, I guess, right? That's fair, yeah. That's kind of one point. <clears throat> the second point is I just happened to watch, uh, just before calling in the uh, – We'll call it the post game on TV. And Caleb Joseph made a great point. I'm not sure that you guys have touched on this because I was on talking to your producer, so maybe you did. But um, on that uh, strike him out, throw him out attempt by Jansen, he's standing in foul territory and Guerrero standing in fair territory, which caused a, well, a bad throw. He's allowed to stand in foul territory with his foot on the bag, and that's an easy throw. So just pointing that out because Joseph made that on TV. That was a great point. And I guess the other thing about Bichette, yeah, why not? Bat him fifth, bat him sixth. I mean, you know, um, I think he gets a bit of, too aggressive at the plate with his swings too. Um, but maybe it's just well, what I see on TV and it just looks overly aggressive. But it just seems like he's coming out of his shoes at every swing and you know, I don't know, Kevin Barker talks a lot about hitting, right? And he just, he seems a little off balance at times, I guess maybe it's maybe one way of putting it too. Like he just, his swings just look so violent at times, which causes, you know, bad at-bats, I guess, right? So anyway, just just a few points there, I guess. I appreciate it. I appreciate the call, Bob. Thanks for calling in. Thanks for staying up late here on uh, on Jay's Talk with us. Yeah, first of all, uh, the, the, the Boba Shed stuff, yeah, I, I mean, Swinging, he, he, I think violent is the, is the perfect word to describe the kinds of swings Bo takes. And hey, I mean, sometimes it works out. Sometimes he gets some absolutely great, great contact on the ball. He makes some great plays. But more often than not, and I would say more often than not, I was going to say maybe in the last two months, but honestly, the entire season, there have been some glimmers of uh, the, the Bo Bichette we saw in 2021, certainly. But more often than not, you're seeing the aggressiveness not pay off. And like one of the one of the texters had mentioned, a lot of the other people on this team, on this ball club, a lot of the players, they have somewhat changed their approach. I know, again, it was a loss tonight, so I don't want to be digging too much for in, in moral victories. But at the same time, I think Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has looked better as of late. I think Matt Chapman has looked better as of late. Didn't work out tonight, but I do I do think Teoscar Hernandez, generally speaking, has looked better as of late. And I, I, I honestly, I don't know what the answer is as to why it's not seemingly changing when it comes to when it comes to Bo Bichette. Um, let's go back to the, the, the phone lines, and then I want to get back to this Jose Barrios thing. But uh, let's go back to the phone lines, 416-870-0590, star 888, 1-888-666-0590, star 590 on your cell. Uh, Rob from Port Hope, welcome to J-Stock. Yeah, I just, I, there's a couple of things I want to talk to you about sure. in terms of the strategy at the end of the game, the 10th inning. I mean, it was great to watch this game. It was a lot of fun. You know, the guys never quit, but and I, listen, I love this new skipper, but he has to be accountable. If he's going to hold other people accountable. He has to be accountable for two mistakes that he made in crucial time in the bottom of the ninth. There's no excuse not to put that runner on at first base. What's the possible explanation not to put the runner on with a with just an automatic base on balls? Because then you have a forced play at home. You're giving your defense at least a chance. When a ground ball like that, he doesn't have to make a perfect throw. He just makes the throw. We get the one out at least at home, maybe a double play home to first. There, there's no explanation that, that I could possibly imagine why you don't put that guy on 
and go to the bases loaded. Those two runs are meaningless behind the guy at third. The second thing is that play at home where Danny drops the ball, there's no tag. I know the umpire called him safe and pointed, but isn't it worth just appealing? Isn't it worth going upstairs and getting the video? Because Danny eventually picks up the ball. The guy doesn't make any attempt to touch the base again. He tags him. Then, you know, why not go upstairs and say, hey, did the guy make contact with the base on his slide? Because he may not have. Like, why wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Hey, Rob, I appreciate the call. I I 100% agree, especially in those kinds of situations at the end of the game where if you do nothing, the game is over, right? It's not like you're saving your challenge at some point. I, I do agree with that because... You're right. I mean, and how many times have we seen that with Major League Baseball? I think I've seen it a bunch of times, not with the Jays only, but certainly all of us here, we, we watch the Jays and listen to the Jays more often than we do probably any other team. But for the most part, I remember times where a guy will overrun the bag at first base, never, ever, ever make any sort of contact with the base. The, the, the guy at first base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., for most cases for the Blue Jays, We'll catch the ball, touch the base, and for some reason these guys are called safe and it's the unreviewable plays and so on. I I, I get that in one sense, but I I don't entirely disagree with Rob when he says that, uh, you know, these teams need to be, maybe it's a rule thing, but here, I don't know. It's just, it it was a little disappointing to see clearly on, on the review that we got on TV at the very least, he did drop the ball. So maybe they saw that immediately and thought, hey, it's not worth it. The game is over. But at the same time, just going for the appeal and is is you know it's not like you get hurt at the end of the ball game. On the, on the other thing too that uh, that Rob mentioned, the uh, the John Schneider, per, I, I, you know what you want to call it a, a mistake by him, but not intentionally walking Tim Beckham of all people, Tim Beckham, and of course that ended up lead, leading to the error with Vladdy and and the game ended like we saw. Also not the greatest of throws for uh, for Matt Chapman, but I mean at the same time, like I like I said, I think and I had to see a text here from. Uh, Jeff in Richmond Hill. I'm not, I look, if it sounds like I'm being critical of Matt Chapman, honestly, I don't mean for it to be because he's, uh, Jeff says he's been one of the Jays best hitters of the last 25 games. It's true. You're not wrong. You're not, you're absolutely not wrong. I think he, it was when he got on base today, I think it was something like an O for 13, like a mini slide, but I mean, that happens for hitters. But like I said, generally speaking, Chapman has been better in the, in the second half of the season, right? I mean, I, I had said one of my bold second half predictions for the, uh, for the Blue Jays in the second half of the season was Matt Chapman will hit 30 home runs. I still think it's going to happen. I still think it's going to happen. But it's, it's just uh, it's unfortunate when they, you know, things like the errant throw and, and slightly into the dirt for a guy who doesn't make many things like that, many mistakes like that, or you know, probably makes that throw 90. You make that throw 99 out of 100 times. Typically, Matt Chapman's putting that putting that ball uh, right on the money. Um, we're going to step aside, take a very quick break, and when we come back, we will get back to the text line. Lots of text. I do want to continue talking about Jose Barrios. We haven't talked about the bullpen at all. Uh, I do want to talk about what we saw from Zach Pop in his season debut and the rest of the bullpen. Jimmy Garcia, man. I mean, again, I know that Blue Jays lost tonight, but Jimmy Garcia, he if he is not the most trusted reliever, and I almost feel like you're, I, I'm including Jordan Romano in this, if he's not the most trusted reliever on this ball club, I don't know who is at this point. But anyways, we'll talk about the bullpen, more on Barrios, and uh, we'll do the Bet365 standings update on the other side of the break. But you're listening to Jay's Talk. I'm Show Ali on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Alley with you until the 18-minute mark this hour. It's about 13 minutes from now. I can do math on the air. 
Uh, Blue Jays lose 6-5 in extras. They get walked off by the Minnesota Twins at Target Field. The series is now evened at uh, one game apiece. There's still two games left. It's a four-game set ending on Sunday. Uh, appreciate all the texts, 590-590. Keep them coming. Name and location, give you a shout-out on the air. But first, before we get back to the text line, let's get to the Bet365 standings update. With Bet365, you can watch thousands of of live games, build your own bet. You can even make a bet while the game is being played. 19 plus, play responsibly, Ontario only. So I believe the only team in the AL East to win this evening was the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe. No, pardon me, the uh, Boston Red Sox won as well. I don't, they don't win too often these days, so I forgot. <laughs> Let's be real. But uh, the, uh, and oh, you know what? The Baltimore Orioles game just wrapped up as well, so I take it back. The only two teams to lose are the Yankees and the Blue Jays. But uh, the Yankees with the loss, uh, Clay Holmes blowing the save, 70 and 37, still have a, a 10 and a half game lead in the division. Toronto with their loss, 59 and 47. Win number 60 will have to wait for now at the very least. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, they win 5-3 to three over the Detroit Tigers. They complete the comeback, so they are now 57-49. and 49. The uh, Baltimore Orioles, they win 55-51 and 51 on the year. They win one nothing over the Pittsburgh Pirates at, on a game in which started after a very lengthy rain delay. There was a rain delay, and they still managed to get some very timely pitches. So the Baltimore Orioles looking very, very good, 55-51. and 51. And the Boston Red Sox clawing their way back to 500. They are 54-54 and 54 on the season. And the Red Sox take a 7-4 win over the Kansas City Royals earlier this evening. Uh, so that basically means right now, if, the, if we just want to take a look at the wild card standing. So, of course, with the win, Minnesota is 56 and 50. So Yankees, uh, the Astros and the Twins are the division leaders right now. And the AL wildcard teams are Toronto, Seattle and Tampa Bay. Even with the loss, the Blue Jays are still two games up on the Mariners. And the Mariners are currently, at the very least right this second, are trailing the Los Angeles Angels one nothing. So if that game holds, then... The Mariners will be two and a half games back of the Jays. But right now, the uh, Rays and Mariners are actually tied for a 57 and 47 for the uh, last two wildcard spots. But that's a quick check of the Bet365 standings update. Um, before we get back to the text line, real quick, because I mentioned it a couple of times, on Jose Barrios on the road, look, you can't bury the guy in home games forever. And this was from Chris Black, a Sportsnet producer extraordinaire, at Down2Black on Twitter. And he's a great Twitter follower because he has, he has little tidbits like this. By average sinker break, okay, he, he likes to break it down by the, the various run that the balls get for uh, someone like Jose Barrios. By average sinker break, when the sinker breaks with 18 inches of run or more, Barrios is 4-0. He has an ERA of 2.48. Pretty good, right? When it's 16 to 17 inches of break, it's 2-2, two two, 4.85 ERA. And when it is 15 or inches, 15 inches or less like it is tonight, he is 0-2 with an ERA of 23.14. So Chris posted those stats on July 13th. Okay, it is obviously August 6th. After he posted that, Brios had three more starts. All of them came at home. One was six and a third innings. He had seven strikeouts. The next one was five and two thirds innings with seven strikeouts. And the last one, which was the game against the Tigers last weekend, seven innings pitched, six strikeouts. And then you had tonight, which was a road game, which was just, I mean, it was, an, how else are you going to say it? It was a disaster in that fourth inning, which was, so I, I again, you can't bury Barrios in, in, uh, in, in home games for the rest of his career, 
But uh, yeah, I just that's I found that fascinating because I mean, how often does that happen? Probably not. Probably not very often. Um, I see a text here from just on the Brios thing from Jay and Kitchener. Uh, and I appreciate you staying up late. Did the Blue Jays and Ross Atkins get taken for a ride on the Brios deal? So I believe so. Brios signed the deal in November of last year, right? Basically, like right after the season ended, right? And he signed, I think it was a six or seven year deal around one hundred and thirty million dollars. So he he's either I think he's twenty eight now. Maybe he was twenty seven at the time. Let's say he's twenty seven. So that means he's under contract until he's thirty four years old. I. I don't think they got taken for a ride. Like, I, I really don't believe that. I still think that Barrios, the Barrios we saw against the Tigers is closer to like median slash average Barrios than the Barrios we saw tonight, if that makes sense. Right? I know it's like a Byzantine way of saying it, but my point being, I think Barrios is a better pitcher than, than we saw tonight for sure. The unfortunate thing again is that he has these blowups in some of the worst possible spots. I mean, again, look like we talked about off the top. This was basically a playoff game. This was, this was a playoff game we saw tonight, and there were some great twists and turns. If you watched this game on, like, a Saturday night and you saw it in, you know, prime time on, like, Sportsnet and TBS down in the United States, I think you'd be very pleased, if, certainly not with the loss, but you'd be pleased with just the quality of baseball you got. But uh, generally speaking, Brios, I mean, he just has to be better. He can't. He has to be better in the big moments, and there's there's no two ways about it. That sinker has to break more consistently. And we so far this season we have gotten glimpses of the Barrios we saw last year after he was traded from the Twins to the Blue Jays. But I, uh, it's it, again. I just I hate the fact that we use the word inconsistent with the Blue Jays so often. It's just we sh- we shouldn't be, but we do. Um, I want to talk about the the bullpen real quick as well, and I wanted to get to Zach Pop and obviously Adam Simber. Uh, he showed some good stuff today. Again, tomorrow victories, they, they stink. But Simber came in. He had the guy at second with no outs. And there was a guy in first and third. He still didn't allow a run. Phelps slams the door. Jimmy Garcia was very, very good as well. Even Trevor Richards, I think. I mean, Trevor Richards is clearly not a fan of the pace of play. And uh, he'll he'll never hear that complaint from me. But uh, again, the entire bullpen outside of Jordan Romano. And he got squeezed with some some strange plays in the 10th inning. But the entire bullpen doing some doing yeoman's work today, especially after Barrios was only able to go, what, three and two-thirds or whatever it ended up being. Look, we saw Anthony Bass last night, and tonight, Zach Pop for the first time, Brampton native, of course. Uh, first of all, I'm glad we got to see Pop in a clean inning of work because getting a reliever into a game for his very first appearance with his new ball club, with guys on the bases, I don't know. It's not ideal. So that was one good thing. But the nastiest thing about Pop's arsenal was something we got to see in here tonight. And if if, it, if you just didn't really know much about Zach Pop before tonight, I don't really blame, or before the trade deadline, I guess I should say, I don't really blame you because, I mean, let's be real. How many people listening to this right now, and I'll include myself in this, how many people watch a ton of NL baseball? I'm going to go out on a limb and say not a lot of people. Unless you're like a fan of an NL team. And I dare say, if you're listening to Jay's talk after midnight Eastern on the, you know, after, after a tough loss or you're, you're going and seek out this podcast. I uh, dare say you are a blue Jays fan and not an NL baseball fan. But uh, if you have, if you weren't familiar with pops arsenal, you got to see the thing that makes him so valuable tonight, his sinker. And now that pitch, it averages over the course of the season. It is average about 96 and a half miles an hour. And, on the season to date entering play tonight has helped him generate a 63.6 ground ball rate. 
63.6% ground ball rate, pardon me. And we saw that exactly on that ball that was vacuumed up by Chapman and was turned for a double, a very close double play, but still. Here's another wild stat. He throws that sinker, according to uh, pitcher list, he throws that sinker 84% of the time. 84%. Like he throws the, the funny thing is, he basically only throws two pitches. He throws the slider 16% of the time, and again, I'm not great at math, but 84 plus 16 is 100%, so no other real pitches there. I think he does have the four-seamer, but he does, he like basically never throws it. So you basically are going to see the sinker or the slider from him. And again, we have criticized and discussed the lack of swing and miss stuff from this bullpen. And again, there's not a lot of swing and miss stuff from Pop, uh, but because uh, the, the, the whiff rate on that sinker, around 19%. But he only walks guys with that sinker at a 2.4% rate, which is wild. So that is a very lethal pitch. He doesn't beat himself too often. And again, despite the loss, I, I uh, was very much looking forward to seeing Zach Pop. I was kind of hoping we'd see him yesterday, actually. But we, we didn't get to see him in game one of this four-game set against the Twins. But I thought he, uh, again, I, I thought he looked very, very good. It's very encouraging because, as I've talked about a number of times, I do think it allows the entire bullpen to be slightly reordered. Again, tonight was a little weird because it was an extra innings game. But but again, Jimmy Garcia was a setup guy, right? He still I know he pitched in the ninth instead of the tenth, but he was still a setup guy. And again, on Jimmy Garcia, I know we haven't touched too much on him tonight because it's almost like what more needs to be said on Garcia. He is the most reliable re- reliever on this team, right? I mean, I, I don't think that's a hot take. I don't even think that's a, a lukewarm take. I think Jimmy Garcia, what an incredible pickup. And he has been absolutely phenomenal to watch. And, I mean, the Houdini act in the ninth inning, striking out a guy, getting the pop-up, both with the bases loaded, that is uh, tr- that is tremendous work from uh, from Jimmy Garcia. So, again, despite the loss, I think there are some things you can take out of it. But I think, uh, you know, the, the, the crux of it goes, and I, I see this text on the text line, Rupan from Saskatoon, uh, thanks for the text, uh, Biggio and Jansen can't make those mistakes in the field. Uh, especially in tight ball games heading into October. Those are fundamentals. Also from Saskatoon, love the writer's hat shout out. I, I mean, how could you not see it? It was right there on like right behind the umpire, basically, but a bright green hat right behind the umpire. But, but it's true. The, the errors on Biggio, I'm not going to put this loss on Biggio. Okay. Because at the end of the day, errors happen. I mean, how many, how much did we talk last year about, I don't know, like the a variety of errors, especially when the Blue Jays ended up missing the playoffs by what one game or half a game or whatever ended up being. I, I don't think we're going to look back on this game as the reason why they do or do not miss the playoffs. But at the same time, Kevin Biggio has to be he has to be better. Um, absolutely. I think uh, you look at some of these other texts as well. I think uh, I see. I like this one from Mike in Melville. I'm excited to see Mitch White tomorrow. Looked him up. Seems like there's some upside. As far as Pop, I think he could be fun to watch. I uh, well, you guys know I'm a big fan of Zach Pop and um, Mitch White. You know it's interesting. If you look on, I know, I know. Look, going to like Baseball Savant and the various analytics websites are not not exactly the sexiest thing to do in your off time. But if you're ever curious, because I know people were kind of upset that Noah Syndergaard did not get traded to the Blue Jays and instead he went to the Phillies. Uh, at the deadline, and instead, Mitch White was the guy they decided to go for. If you look at the peripherals on White versus Syndergaard, at this stage of Thor's career, which is still one of the, uh, one of the best nicknames, I dare say, in Major League Baseball, uh, Mitch White and Syndergaard compare, relatively speaking, favorably. Are they the same kind of pitcher? No. But at the same time, there's just, while there's not a lot of red, let's say, in the baseball savant uh, stuff for 
uh, for, for White. There actually isn't a lot for Syndergaard either, but I do like that one. I am excited to see Mitch White tomorrow as well. And uh, Zach Pop uh, was very good tonight. And uh, DB in London, tough loss, great game. Listening from a hospital bed at UH London. Just glad to be around to hear it. Go Jays. Hope you feel better, DB. And uh, always feel free to text. Uh, but that does it. For Jays Talk tonight, appreciate the calls and the texts as always. Thanks for listening to Blue Jays Baseball, served up by the always game-ready Jack Links Meat Snacks. Feed your wild side, baseball fans. Uh, Jays lose to the Twins 6-5 in extras. And tomorrow, as mentioned, Mitch White will make his Blue Jays debut in place of the injured Ross Stripling for Toronto. Dylan Bundy scheduled to go for Minnesota. I am usually in for Saturday Jays Talk, but I'm going to a wedding. So uh, Blake Murphy and Julia Kreutz will have Jaystock in my stead tomorrow. Be nice to them, please. Blair and Barker are back on Sunday. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll talk to you later.